Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Almighty God, come now and anoint the preaching of Your Word. Uh, Bring it to life in our midst, Lord. Uh, Lord, we thank You that we serve a great King who has gone up and begun His session at Your right hand. Lord, we pray that You would make that reality uh, true in our own hearts, that we would live under the rule and reign of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is this moment King of kings and Lord of lords. We ask it in His name. Amen. Amen. Well, if, uh, in case you were hiding under a rock, uh, two weeks ago, uh, uh, Charles III was crowned as the King of the United Kingdom, and I guess all of his dominions uh, out there as well. I guess Canada even has a new king. Take that, Canadians. There you go. And, uh, and it's so, it was so surreal for me and my family because here's Charles III being uh, crowned as king, and my uh, family came to North Carolina when Charles II was king. So it's kind of like, all right, the circle has been closed at this time. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but you know there was that amazing uh, carriage that was driven through the streets of London to Westminster Abbey. There were tens of thousands of people standing in the rain uh, to watch uh, King Charles and Queen Camilla go by. Uh, They were escorted into the Westminster Abbey. He was the 40th monarch, the 40th monarch to be crowned. Oh, I keep wanting to say inaugurated. They don't inaugurate, they coronate him. That's right, we inaugurate, they coronate. But he was the 40th monarch to be coronated in Westminster Abbey since 1066. That's amazing. And you saw the regalia. Even the peers of the realm had their finest regalia on. And uh, Charles was uh, seated in the, the chair of King Edward and for the crowning, and he was given the symbols of state. He was given the crown. He was, the crown was placed on his head. He was given the sword of state. The, the scepter and the rod and the orb were given to him. And at one point, they, they take his uh, garments, outer garments off, and they clothe him in cloth of gold and anoint him. Those are Actually, he's clothed as a priest. He's clothed as a priest. It's amazing. And there was joy and merrymaking and celebration throughout the kingdom uh, that day. And I, I'm, it's a thrilling thing to be able to watch it. Well, you know, this celebration that we've had this week on Thursday and that we come to again here on the seventh Sunday after Easter, the celebration of our Lord's ascension to the right hand of the Father is the anniversary celebration of His ascension and coronation and session at the right hand of the Father. So this is a coronation celebration. We are, we're celebrating that Jesus Christ is now ruling as King of kings and Lord of lords over the universe. And there is much from this uh, reading from Acts to celebrate the, uh, here in the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. St. Paul says that God raised Jesus, listen to what he says, this is Ephesians Chapter 1, verse 20 and following, that uh, God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him, listen to these words now, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. And gave him as head over all things the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
So the Feast of the Ascension that we celebrated this past Thursday is the, is the anniversary celebration of what Paul writes about there. And there's so much to celebrate. We can celebrate that Jesus really is Lord over all creation. This is a particular point of joy for believers living in countries where other rule and authority and power and dominion are actively engaged in persecuting Christians. So no matter the claims of those earthly powers, and we heard Peter talk about that in 1 Peter this morning, that reading from 1 Peter. So no matter the claims of these earthly powers, Jesus is king as we heard in Acts. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 11. We just heard it. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The true king will soon return and deliver, and deliver his people and bring justice for the oppressed. We can also celebrate because Jesus is, is interceding for us right now. No matter how great a prayer partner you might have, uh, they're not as good as Jesus. He is the ultimate prayer partner. I mean, isn't that something to celebrate that Jesus is praying for you? He's praying for me right now at the Father's right hand. He is making intercession for us. We hear that in Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, 34. Who is, to kid, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I need you to pray for me, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Or Hebrews 7.25, Consequently, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. We can celebrate because Jesus ascends to the Father so that He could send us the Holy Spirit. We actually kind of previewed that. I don't know if, as we were praying that collect uh, for the day, and you can go back and look at it after the service in your service guide. The collect for the day speaks of Christ's ascension with the anticipation of Him sending the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said, nevertheless, I, this is John 16, verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Jesus' ascension unleashes the power of Pentecost on the church. So much to celebrate. But let me ask you this this morning. Are you ready? Are we ready? Can we go to the deep end of the pool this morning? Y'all want to go to the deep end? Let's do it. Let's go deep this morning. Because for me today, the greatest truth of the ascension of Jesus Christ is that He has taken our humanity. This is, this is amazing. Jesus has taken our humanity with Him into the glory of heaven. Right now, you have to think of this, right now a human being, the God-man Jesus Christ, is sitting on the throne of God, the God of the universe. That's crazy talk. That's amazing. A few years ago, I, I took a course in Muslim evangelism, and uh, in, in, the, uh, in that course, one of the things that came up is that Muslims are, are um, scandalized that, that eternal God could take on human flesh. So the, the doctrine of the incarnation is a scandalous thing to Muslims, that God 
the almighty, pure, glorious God of the universe would take on human flesh and come among us as Jesus Christ. They just can't wrap their heads around it. And this, this, uh, the instructor was one of the premier, at that time, uh, one of the pre, premier Muslim evangelists. He, he obviously is teaching uh, evangelizing Muslims. And he, uh, he was particularly uh, good at, uh, at contextualization, contextualization. And so he kind of tried to find points of connection between Islam and Christianity in order to share the gospel. But he had begun to fudge on the doctrine of the ascension. And, and it kind of came out in his lecture that he didn't believe that Jesus still had a human body and was reigning at, at the right hand of God in a human body right now. And, he, and so I went and I, I spoke to him about it. He said, you don't believe that Jesus has, still has a body, do you? And I said, yes, I do. And every Orthodox follower of Jesus Christ for the last 2,000 years believes that as well. We do believe that Jesus Christ is in his body at the Father's right hand. Tertullian, who was an early Christian apologist, said this, Jesus is still sitting there at the right hand of the Father, man yet God, the last Adam yet the primary word, flesh and blood yet purer than ours. So when God became man in Jesus Christ, he did not discard his, his humanity at the resurrection or the ascension. Uh, writing in the 5th century, uh, there was a, a great bishop of Rome at the time, and his name was Leo. We know him as St. Leo the Great right now. Uh, he negotiated with Attila the Hun to keep the, uh, the Huns from sacking the city of Rome, and he went out and met him uh, in his camp outside the city of Rome. Rome was... Uh, surrounded by, its, by her enemies, and uh, so Pope Leo goes out there, has a chat with Attila. Attila says, okay, I'm not going to destroy the city. Uh, Leo goes back to Rome, to, into the city, and that night, Attila the Hun just, just up and dies. Uh, well, uh, that probably raised Leo's uh, 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 <laughs> credibility uh, in the eyes of the Roman people, but he was a great theologian. And he says this about the ascension. He said, It was certainly a great and indescribable source of joy when in the sight of the heavenly multitudes, the nature of our human race ascended over the dignity of all heavenly creatures. It passed the angelic orders and was raised beyond the heights of archangels. In its ascension, listen, our human race did not stop at any other height until this same nature was received at the seat of the Eternal Father. Our human nature, united with the divinity of the Son, was on the throne of His glory. Let us exalt, dearly beloved, with worthy joy and be glad with a holy thanksgiving. Today we not only are established as possessors of paradise, but, we e but have even penetrated the heights of the heavens in Christ. So let me tell you why that is so important to me right now. In a world that is marked by tremendous human suffering, and, and we hear about it, we kind of heard about it a little bit this morning. Tremendous human suffering, the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, is a tremendous comfort because I have people right now in my life who are not believers precisely because they are scandalized by the thought that a loving, all-powerful God would, not, would allow pain and suffering in the world. Do you have people like that in your life? Do you know people like that? A while back, one of them said to me, it just seems like 
it just seems like to me that if there was a God, that he would, t- he would care enough to be involved. And I said, you are exactly right. That's why the Bible talks about the incarnation. God literally gets involved in human suffering. God put on a human body, and out of his love for us, and out of his determination to fully embrace our brokenness, He experienced injustice and torture and death in that body. But his involvement in human suffering didn't end at the cross. It doesn't end at the resurrection. He is still intimately connected to our human suffering because that same body that went through the passion is forever on the throne of heaven. God, please listen, God is not aloof to your suffering today. The human nature he assumed, listen, still bears the marks of his agony on the cross. Laura Smith writes, she says, a full-orbed understanding of the incarnation will also proclaim that the incarnation continues and that it is the incarnate Christ who has ascended. Jesus is our contemporary, not a historical figure from a dead past. He is living now interacting with us now, standing now in a human body in the presence of the Father. He is praying for us now, leading our worship now, feeling our pain now, sharing our humanity now. You know, we need to listen to the theology that we sing. Did you hear those words in our processional hymn this morning? Crown Him. By the way, um, every time we sing Crown Him with Many Crowns, I remember early on at the church we planted in Winston-Salem, I mean, it was really early on. We were in a, a community center, you know, sort of a public space, kind of like here in the auditorium. And uh, I remember that um, whoever was doing the slides, you know, for the, the, we have overhead projection because there were boomers there and they can't worship without that. You know, I'm one of those people. And uh, so I'm obviously just picking. Uh, so well done, boomers. You're reading out of, a, out of a pamphlet. That's great. But we had to have the overhead, you know, we had to have the projector with the fancy software and everything. And I remember somebody, I, I have to believe that maybe uh, one of the children of the music director uh, got into the slides because the slide came up and it said, clown him with many clowns. And I have had a hard time singing that stanza ever since then. But we need to go back and listen to what it says, that stanza, crown him the Lord of love. Hear, hear this. Behold his hands and side, those wounds yet visible above, in beauty glorified, No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his burning eye at mysteries so bright because his pierced hands and his pierced feet and his pierced side, which were signs of agony and of bearing our suffering, have now become the emblems of his victory. And they shine with radiant glory before the Father right now. Praise God. St. Bonaventure said Jesus ascended so that seated at the right hand of majesty, he might show to to the glorious face of his Father the scars of the wounds he suffered for us. In fact, 
in fact, that Jesus bears his human body in bliss and glory in heaven right now gives us hope. This is a point of connection. Okay, here's an application point for all of us. That Jesus bears in his human body in the bliss and glory of heaven right now gives us, the, gives us hope for a glorious future for all of us. God's plan for all of us in Christ is, this is, again, deep into the pool, mind-blowing. God's plan for every one of us baptized, born-again followers of Jesus Christ is to make us by grace what He is by nature. God's plan is to make you and me by grace what Jesus is by nature. We call that doctrine, and it's an ancient Christian doctrine. It goes back to First uh, Peter chapter one. I mean, Second Peter chapter one, verse five. To make he wants to, he he intends to make us what partakers of the divine nature. We call that doctrine theosis because we're Christians. We've got to have you know special words. We call that doctrine theosis. Jesus' ascension is a preview of your future state in glory. Beloved, this is what John says in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, what does it say? We shall be, what? Like Him. We shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Uh, those early church fathers, I used, I used to call them the old dead Christian dudes, but the uh, early church fathers were so powerful on this point. And it, they were so powerful that it's almost a little shocking when we hear what they write. So St. Gregory Nazianzen, St. Gregory Nazianzen uh, said this. He said, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's quoting 1 Timothy 2.5 there. And this is what he says, For he still pleads even now as man for my salvation, for he continues to wear the body which he assumed. Okay, we're good with that. But then, then Gregory takes it this far. Until he makes me God by the power of his incarnation. Now again, that's theosis and it's shocking to hear. Uh, and Athanasius said this, uh, God became human so that humans could be made divine. He actually says, so that humans could be made God. It's shocking. It is shocking. Uh, C.S. Lewis brings this up in The Weight of Glory when he says, you've never met an ordinary human being. You know that quote? I had to get a C.S. Lewis quote in here. Uh, but you know what it says. He says, you've never met a, an ordinary person. Uh, they're either going to be in eternal glory or an eternal horror. Uh, that, the, that the redeemed human in glory would be, is so filled with the radiance of God's grace and the divine nature that if someone were to appear before us in that, in that state right now, we would be tempted to fall down and worship them. It's crazy, crazy. God is going to make us, going to make you a partaker of the divine nature. So our ascended Lord Jesus bears the marks of his passion in the presence of the Father for all eternity, but those wounds that once were marks of tragedy and weakness and defeat are now the very fountain of joy and blessing and eternal redemption. So here's the point of application. Made like him, all of our wounds will be glorified one day. Every heartache you have ever had 
every heartache, every suffering point you've ever experienced as a follower of Jesus Christ, every relationship that your heart broke because it was broken, every, every source of physical pain in your body will one day be glorified and turned, to, and to, turned into bliss. All of our suffering will become a source of everlasting praise and sweetness and bliss. So we quoted uh, St. Gregory, now we're going to quote Baptist. So we get everybody today. The Prince of Preachers, C.S. Spurgeon, and I'll close with this. Listen. As we consider Christ ascended, our hearts burn within us at the thought that He is the type. He is the type of all His people. As He was, so are we also in the world. And as He is, so shall we also be. To us also there remain both a resurrection and an ascension. Have courage, beloved. That glittering road up to the highest heavens which Christ has trodden, you too must tread. The triumph which He enjoyed shall be yours in your measure. You too shall lead your captivity captive. And amidst the acclamations of angels, you shall receive the well done of the ever-blessed Father and shall sit with Christ on His throne even as He has overcome and sits with the Father upon His throne. What a beautiful promise. Would you please bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, for this promise of coming glory for us that Jesus has ascended, taken His human nature, eternally united to the divine nature, into glory on our behalf. And Lord, He is the preview of the joy that You will grant to us and the victory that You grant to us. But I know that right this minute, there are many people who are bearing wounds in this place. There's sorrow, there's loss, there's physical pain. And Lord, I pray that the hope of the glory that we have before us would lighten that burden in this moment and that You would give us hope of our full redemption in Your presence when we rejoice in glory with You. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.